translation. Um, and then how can we get the two different types of translation, Colin? I can't remember the 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 word right now, but we've had we've had the where they do it simultaneously once or twice. I know there's some Zoom ability to be able to do that with rooms. I don't know if we've been very successful at that. And then there's the default languages that we trans we translate documents into, um, what those are. And I'm going to stop talking right now because Mike has his hand up. Oh, can I just add one other yeah. thing, too, is that it, in addition to the matrix, I think that that in and of itself probably isn't enough that it would be nice if we had some um, uh, culturally competent or liaisons who could who they could work with through the process as well just because not everything is directly translatable um, and an example of that again is is with the QCOs, um night nightclub defined in our zoning code is one thing, but the applicant was thinking it was something else. And so um, I, I think it would be good to have a liaison for people as well to consult with, to help guide them through the process. Well, I, I'm gonna say something. I think that's true. I think unfortunately for um, 1821 Park Street is that they have had issues on Buckeye and based on Buckeye, they didn't want to go in that direction again because I talked to them uh, my last year and had Hanson come out and everyone said uh, Hanson was saying, no, no, we don't want a nightclub over here. And then they were like, no, we we learned our lesson on that. You know what I'm saying? So right. based on their experience, they didn't want anything to do with the other N-word, nightclub. Because <laughs> they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want the same things that happened to them before. Mm -hmm. and, uh, however, based on zoning, they had to do it. See what I'm saying? So, I mean, right. that's a little bit different um, scenario, I think, because they had experience with us up front and close. Uh -huh. Alder Revere? Thanks very much, Amy. Thanks for facilitating us without any advance notice, apparently. Uh, so just a couple of points of information at the top I, I thought I'd share, and this might not be news to any of you, but but first in terms of your, your question, Amy, as to should we proceed without our chair, without Michael present, I, I will just point out if any of you haven't had the chance to review our agenda for regular meeting uh, of this committee tomorrow night, this exact same agenda item, of course, is on tomorrow's agenda. So I presume with the idea of a summary of our discussion tonight, but if we don't want to proceed or don't believe we have the right people here tonight, we could always 
uh, have the conversation tomorrow night as well, given that our agenda is somewhat light compared to normal agendas. So that was just number one. And then number two, I also wanted to remind uh, everyone that Jim Verbeck did forward us a, a helpful um, email that Amber uh, wisely suggested to Jim that he forward to us in preparation for our meeting tonight. And that's uh, an email from Christy Kumar. And I think it was Sherry, you mentioned the Department of Civil Rights and Norm Davis, but uh, mm -hmm. Christy Kumar is our equity and social justice manager in the Department of Civil Rights. And she's the one that that uh, has jurisdiction over our language access policy and program. And so that email uh, from Jim, which was January 4th, yep. uh, does uh, that newsletter does have some very, I think, helpful um, basic information for us in terms of this, um, I guess, first edition of the language access newsletter for the city. And if you by chance have that in front of you, I direct your attention to the, the bottom of the newsletter. Again, this email came from Jim on January 4th via Amber. And it speaks to um, Zoom's capabilities, um, but moreover, our interpreter capabilities of consecutive interpretation versus simultaneous interpretation. Um, so anyway, I think inviting Christy or someone else from her division to perhaps speak to us in the future would be helpful as well. And then lastly, is I just wanted to confirm what I think all of us would know in terms of uh, besides Spanish, by far we have um, Mandarin as as a very significant uh, primary language for, for so many of our applicants or current license holders that it seems to me that we have Mandarin interpreters at almost every meeting, um, not just Spanish interpreters. Um, so obviously there's quite a need and and uh, I'm excited that Heather, that you have two new Spanish speaking colleagues in the city clerk's office that uh, will be helping us tomorrow night for their first meeting and moreover we'll be able to help at the counter and on the phones for applicants and license holders um, starting immediately and into the future. So Amy, just some random thoughts at the top, some points of information that perhaps everyone already knew, but to make sure we all Thank you. Same information. Thank you for bringing that up. I had glanced over that and then abruptly forgot about it because uh, it came in while I was on vacation. So, I'm looking at the uh, Community Connectors program. I wonder if it would be beneficial to see if we could get them to review one of our less crazy meetings or parts of our meetings to see if they have feedback on how we can communicate and work with 
um, non-English speakers better and maybe even work with more plain language when we can. I think that's a good idea. Um, I think the plain language consultation would probably be an interesting thing to see on how we we interact. I mean, we're not great sometimes at communicating and you know, you can't necessarily see it yourselves if you're not trained in what you're looking for. I think sometimes also the the language that we work with um, in the committee in the ordinances, and I always talk about the entertainment license ordinance because it seems to me like that's when we have the most trouble um, with communication. At least that's when I've been the most confused. Um, even though there is an interpreter, um, most recently I think it was. Uh, I was confused over whether uh, an applicant um, from the last meeting was planning to have a DJ, which would, of course, require an entertainment license. But others on the committee said, no, the applicant only wants to have someone turn a, turn a karaoke machine on and off. Um, and I trusted that that was, a, uh, my, that that was correct, but I been thinking about that um, that I that's a that's something that I missed or that I didn't understand um, and I wonder if there's something we need to think about if, you know we should uh, about making sure the languages the language that we use in the ordinance is understandable to common folks at least to at least to an extent where common folks who aren't experts can apply and for these licenses and participate uh, effectively in the, the committee. Um, so if that's something we want to, I don't know if that really fully fits in the scope of amending ordinances or proposing changes is fully within the scope of this meeting. But if, if uh, we find that, that it is, then I would support adding that to our um, list of things to, to consider. I would just like to say that, um, and hopefully I'm not interrupting anybody, but I think that we opened the door with the um, license of the last person that they could get a DJ in the future. And so I think that, I don't wanna say loophole, but I think that needs to be tightened up a little bit more and explained a little bit better. That if you're having karaoke, and most people know this already, but if you're having karaoke, then you don't need to have that entertainment license to open up the door to have a DJ and to become a nightclub. So Mike, I have, I have a question for you. Why do we have, why is karaoke cut out separately out of the entertainment license? Do you remember? That's a, 
Yeah, that's a policy decision going back, I don't know, uh, maybe 20 years. Jenny might remember. The year better than I, I guess we could pull up the Muni code and see when the date was last amended or the legislative history of the provision. But the, the theory behind that public policy decision, again, going back many, many, many years, was that uh, karaoke is very popular. Uh, and yet we, uh, as a committee and MB MPD concurred, just never could put our fingers on any issues relating to karaoke from a public safety concern from looking at it from that perspective. And so why, um, you know, create perhaps an unnecessary hardship uh, and a $250 annual licensing fee uh, for this popular form of entertainment that really never has been problematic Unfortunately, that's not our experience with DJs uh, in particular uh, in this community over those same years. So that's why I think there's been a carve out for a very long time. Uh, Jennifer will remember that we've, she's amended the ordinance and perhaps her colleagues as well have amended this ordinance a few times. Uh, although I think, Jen, you're the one that's done it more than others that where we've lowered the threshold for also also during my tenure, uh, we had allowances if it was like under 99 capacity or more recently 49 capacity, then you wouldn't need an entertainment license. But then we had incidents of very small capacity establishments, including one in the 500 block of State Street several years ago that had problems with their DJ performances and yet they weren't uh, subject to entertainment licensing because of their small capacity and yet it still caused public safety concerns um, in and outside their establishment. Again, this is, goes back years. So that is the history as I remember. I don't know, Jennifer, do you, can you think of any other uh, points to share on this question? No, I, I think those are the main points in, in terms of karaoke and the way the ordinance, I think it started out, um, as you said, capacity of 99, over 99, you had to have the entertainment license, then lowered it to 49, and then got rid of the capacity altogether due to issues um, that you described. And if you want to go way back in my early days of my tenure in City Hall, these used to be called cabaret licenses mm -hmm. related to public dancing. And so we got away from that, you know, the smile on our face saying we didn't want to be like the town in the movie Footloose, where we banned dancing and regulated the act of dancing. And so we got away from the dancing part and more to you know, the actual act of trying to define entertainment, uh, which is a bit difficult. You kind of, it's, you know, when you see a kind of thing, but you can't say, codify that in the ordinances. So I think our biggest struggle um, with interpretation and, and other items is not necessarily the liquor license per se. It's when someone 
is going for multiple licenses, being an entertainment license, be it 18 plus, be it 21, any of those additional things that we have under our purview and the complexity of that, that we're trying to put that matrix together. Um, but maybe there is also some place in there because it, especially for restaurants, we've had that confusion about entertainment licenses being needed or not. And they get kind of rubber stamped a little differently than if it was a bar um, because we don't have another option except for the existing entertainment licenses, which I, that we have, which I think also makes it confusion, confusion, confusing, confusing, sorry. Been a very long day of meetings. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Um, with that, it seems like applicants have had trouble when we have concerns over what whether a restaurant is going to turn into a nightclub. I think the committee wants to know: Will this having this live music or this DJ result in a nightclub? And, you know, should our level of scrutiny um, rise to, to that for a nightclub? But I think some applicants have had a hard time explaining just what they want to do with their entertainment license. Um, and that's caused the members of the committee um, to not quite know whether we should be um, looking at an application for a nightclub or for a restaurant with some music in the back. Because I'd see those two as, as different. Um, I But it's something that I think the committee should, this, this subcommittee should um, keep, keep, uh, keep thinking about. Um, as for process for today, I think it may make um, sense for us to compile a small list of goals for this subcommittee and the uh, near future, report back to the full committee tomorrow and um, not to try to make uh, too many decisions formal um, tonight, whether I, we probably can't even if we wanted to based on notice issues. But. I think um, tomorrow night uh, when we have Jim back and we can work on scheduling, we should find a meeting where someone from the Department of Civil Rights can come in and talk to us about the language program and the community connector program and how we could, how that could help us on the ALRC um, with services already within the city. Um, to see how we can improve our communication and our doc our documents and maybe what we're asking for when we get when we have translations. And maybe we also need a training in how we interact with translators because we don't always know when we should stop talking to make it so it's it's transfer translable.
makes sense to me. I concur, Amy. Those are both great ideas. Okay, excellent. Um, so let's continue this discussion tomorrow night. Oh, I see a hand up. Hey, that's me. I, okay. I can't rename myself, but it's Amber from the city okay. attorney's office. Um, yeah, it says OCA for Office of City Attorney. Okay. Um, so um, I just wanted to point out, it is in the email that um, Alder Brevere mentioned and that Jim sent to everyone. But next Tuesday, um, there is a plain language and effective communication training put on by DCR. Um, I'm planning to attend, and if anyone else would want to also attend, um, it might be helpful to see if it's something that you wanted to encourage all of your members to do, if, it, if you think it would be helpful. Um, I'm also happy to just, I'm going to attend anyway, so I can kind of report back um, at the next subcommittee meeting to let you all know if it, it might be um, helpful for this group. Do you have the time for that meeting in the place? Yeah, yes, it's online. It's January 23rd from 10.30 to noon. Um, I can ask Jem to resend it or um, like send something just about that meeting. Cause I think there's a way to sign up. You can sign up as a city employee or as an other, but I think we should be able to get information on how to do that. Yeah. And it looks like they have two more scheduled after that, not till June or November. Um, everyone looks at their calendars. <laughs> um, so for discussion meetings, do we have to make a motion to end it? I don't remember how these work. It's been a while since I've been in one. I think it would make sense if we... Okay, uh, I'll let the Go ahead, Colin. Okay, I was just going to say, to me, it would make sense if I would, I'll just ask unanimous consent to adjourn and we'll check if anyone else has anything to say. If not, then I'll, I think we can do, we end it. Any objections? So moved. All right, so just a point of, um, order, I guess. Uh, I believe we have to have a mover and then a seconder. So if Mr. Oh, yeah. Barashuk made the motion, would anybody like to second it? I'm happy to second Colin's motion. You, Heather. All right. I, Thank you. I saw um, Alder Miazzi had a hand up. I'm not sure for what reason, but we want to check. 
with. Uh, no, I was just going to make that uh, um, that be clarified and and uh, sorry, I wasn't too talkative, but you know, you guys made some great points. I mean, I like uh, Amy's suggestions, so those are great. So looking forward to uh, continuing this discussion tomorrow night. Thank you. I will. Uh, so we are adjourned at 9.18 p.m. So I will uh, happily see you all tomorrow night. Bye. Bye-bye. Good evening, everyone.